0: Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Business of Agriculture. It's me, Damian Mason, your host that's going to take you through this wonderful experience we call a podcast. Hey, I'm going to talk to you today about tactics of the conflict industry and what we in agriculture must learn from the current protests. Uh, This is a topic that I'm sure a lot of people are afraid to take on, but it's something that's very important to me because I look at The protests going on that turned into riots, that turned into property destruction here in the United States. And I say, huh, I've been seeing these exact same tactics for years and years employed by organizations that oppose. Agriculture. Okay, so we're going to be talking about that today, and you're going to probably have your eyes open up a little bit like, oh, crap, I never quite thought of that. Oh, wow, that's an interesting point. Uh, the Business of Agriculture is now also a video. It has been since January, as opposed to just audio. So you can listen to it wherever you get your audio podcast. You know, SoundCloud is my preferred choice, iTunes, wherever you go, Stitcher, but you can also find it on YouTube. Just go on YouTube and type in my name, Damian Mason, and I'd love for you to subscribe. Subscribe To my YouTube channel, it's D Mason Comedy, and um, uh, also subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel. And then I'd like you to be listening to your stuff, watching the stuff there. And you can also check out the Do Business Better podcast. So, this episode of the Business of Agriculture is brought to you by my good friends Harvest Profit. I have the script right here, but I'm gonna go off script because I want to tell you about Nick Horeb. He's a guy, you can keep up with him on LinkedIn or Twitter, or wherever you go with your social media. And check out Harvest Profit or LinkedIn. Uh, I would like you to do that because also I'd like you to go to harvestprofit.com. If you have an agricultural enterprise, you are a business person, right? You've got all this money and you've got inventory, you've got inputs and outputs and cash flow issues, and my God, it's a business, right? So you need the right software solution to help your agricultural enterprise be all that it can be. Obviously, is trying to set up a product that companies, agricultural enterprises can use to be profitable, hence the name Harvest Profit. Check it out. i will even give you a 14-day free trial. Okay, and if you are watching this on YouTube, I'm going to apologize right now. I didn't put goop in my hair. Feeling a little off my game. But I'm trying something new trying to go without goop on Sundays. And I'm going to be putting my farm hat on here uh, when I get done recording this. So here's the point. We in agriculture have been fairly isolated and insulated, if you will, from all the riots and the protests that tend to be happening in urban and suburban areas, not exactly where we make food, right? But we've seen them. And there is a tremendous amount of similarity. In fact, it's completely identical of what organizations pushing social unrest, the tactics they use, and how organizations that oppose our industry, agriculture, go to market, if you will. You know, if it was a business, you'd say how they go to market. Well, frankly, it is a business. And that is what I want to make sure we completely understand. We in agriculture, we say things like, gosh, can you believe the Humane Society of the United States is doing this? yes. I believe every single thing that I see out of the conflict industry. So that's what we call it now. That term was given me, I did a speaking engagement for the Indiana Hardwood Lumbermen's Association, and they were on my podcast. In fact, you can check it out uh, back uh, a few months ago. And they said, you know, we deal with this a lot. And imagine, you know, we're in the logging business. We take logs out of the forest and we make them into wood products. You have two by fours or so that you have a desk or you have bookcases. And then every time they go about doing this, they are protested against. There's rioters. There's all this kind of crap because you're going to tear down the forest. Oh, we're all going to die. He says, you know what? It's not cause groups, Damien. It's an industry. It's how they make money. It is the conflict industry. And that's where I really started putting in perspective. I'm like, yeah, I've always known that these groups are profitable, but it is indeed an industry. I cover this topic in my book, Food Fear. And I would like you to get this. This is the complete book about the business of food and agriculture. It's about all the stuff that's going on. And it also talks about a lot of things that you're seeing right now. And I have a couple of chapters in here, and one of them is taking a pitchfork to a gunfight, how bad we are in ag at fighting our detractors. And then I talk about humane, ethical, what the cause groups really want. Chapter right there. All right, here's what you need to understand. I'm not not—I'm not going to take a political stand necessarily, but I'm going to tell you what's happening. You look out at a landscape, you look at a media, and they're showing you imagery of uh These radicals are tearing down statues, right? Even Ulysses S. Grant, the general that defeated Confederacy, is somehow now being torn down because he's a racist. Everybody's a racist, right? Let me tell you how this works. These conflict industry groups... I have a very simple playbook. It's very, very simple, but it works. It's kind of like the old football team. Hey, what are you going to do? We're going to hand it off to this running back, and he's going to run up the middle. That doesn't sound like a very advanced game plan. Oh, hell, if it works, it works. Shaquille O'Neal, his game plan was pretty simple. Get the ball to him down to paint. He'd take one step, turn around, and dunk it. Didn't have a whole lot of plays. That was pretty much it, but very effective. The playbook that these cause groups, these conflict industry organizations use, is extremely simplistic, but it works because it applies on human emotion. That's why it works. All right, so let me talk to you, for instance, about some of these groups. Let's talk about the ones that we deal with here in the business of agriculture. I'll name principally the animal rights wackos at Humane Society of the United States, uh, PETA, Animal Recovery Mission, that's the one that made a big splash last year here in my home state of Indiana when they got footage of somebody, uh, some guys throwing around calves on a dairy operation. It was very terrible to see that. And then, of course, you've got like Environmental Working Group. So let's talk about how these organizations are set up. First off, they are set up as nonprofits, which means they do not pay for all the money they bring in. And what these groups, maybe at one time they were actually uh, cause groups that cared about this cause. But what happens is then they just become businesses. They just become fundraising organizations. The cause is still there, but you know what they do? They keep moving the goalposts and changing the cause because they have to stay in business. Let's use the humane side of the United States, for example. I've uh, put this in my book. Last year, the Humane Society of the United States took an annual, annual revenue of $135 million. Did you hear that? $135 million. They list assets at well over $200 million. They have 250 employees, most of whom are Washington, D.C.-based activists and attorneys. What does the Humane Society of the United States do? If you are not in agriculture, and I encourage you to share this episode with your non-ag friends, you don't know this. Most people say, oh, well, they take care of pet shelters. No. That's not the Humane Society of the United States. That is your local humane shelter. Humane Society of the United States spends less than 1%, less than 1% of their $135 million they took in last year on anything to do with sick pets or injured dogs. They spend their money filing lawsuits and paying for staffers. What do their staffers consist of? PR people, gifted PR people that know that you can... Craft a story and show an image of a chicken in a pin, and uh, it'll get it'll evoke emotions for the non-ag consumer, and they will send them money. And when they send that money, what do they do? They pay for more staff, they pay to file lawsuits, they pay to create a movement against modern agriculture, particularly animal agriculture. Two hundred and fifty employees with a membership of one point two million. That's what they say their membership is. They say they have 1.2 million members are out to dictate the diets, the eating, the eating for 330 million Americans. Think about that. Think about that arrogance. And they're very well funded. Let's talk about Environmental Working Group. That's the group that really got behind the anti-Monsanto movement over Roundup Herbicide, which is actually glyphosate, as you well know. When they teamed up with trial lawyers. Because it's not by accident that Environmental Working Group and lawsuits are going hand in hand. The group isn't filing lawsuits, it's coming about from plaintiffs with trial lawyers. But just so happens that Environmental Working Group has been involved in the two biggest anti-ag lawsuits going on the last couple of years. The lawsuits against Bayer Monsanto, which they started uh, a couple of years ago, and then their PR works telling you how glyphosate is killing you, and then the trial lawyers come in and file lawsuits. They also, in North Carolina, targeted Smithfield, which is actually Murphy Brown down there. That's the farms, the pig farms, uh, for lawsuits. Okay, let's talk about the tactics. I told you I was going to get the tactics. I an article that I've got going to be coming out later this week about this if you're more of a reader. But, of course, you're listening and enjoying it right now. The tactics employed by these organizations are really these three things. They start by being irrationally divisive. And I say irrationally because not a, no rational person would ever... Boy, that's really looking... Look at that. That hair. Shh, not putting goop in it today. Pfft, this looks like it's kind of not there. It's like dry. I've been putting goop in my hair since the 1980s. Okay. Being irrationally divisive is step number one. And you're saying, what are you talking about, Damien? Okay. You've got a cause uh, and you want to sell it. and Because you know that your employees and your ability to get... Because what they really want... Is money? They want money. They want funding. And they want political power. That's what these organizations want. Humane Society of the United States wants money to pay their 250 employees. They're not going to go get another job. Hell, they want a guy to pay people. And then they want political clout. And so with that money and with that exposure and with their movement, they get meetings with congresspeople. And they get interviews on media. And then they push their agenda. Power and money, money and control. That's what all these organizations want. Black Lives Matter, Antifa. You're saying Antifa, okay, whatever you wanna call the group that loosely calls themselves Antifa, when they're tearing up a town and busting out windows, they know they're creating a spectacle, but they also know that they're being heard because now everybody gets scared. Normal, rational people like us say, oh my God, I don't want my windows to be busted out. So that's what the angle is. First thing is to be irrationally divisive. And I mean irrationally by saying something like this. You're either with us or against us. And they know that you divide to conquer, right? So it goes real simple like this. Let's just say your black lives matter. And you know that you will make money because you're going to create a big spectacle. And then companies are going to feel as though they are compelled because you might get suits against them if they don't give you money. So you start by saying, if you don't believe what we're doing, you're a racist. Well, Nobody wants to be called a racist. Nobody wants to believe they are a racist. So you start by being irrational and divisive. If you oppose our protests, you're a racist. If you don't donate money to us, you're racist. And so it becomes this thing of you get the either or, and the either or is so outrageous, but you don't have a choice. They don't give you the middle ground where most of us actually are. No, I'm not anti any other ethnicity, but I also don't necessarily want you out here like tearing down statues and and busting out windows. Well, if you don't if you don't support this, then you are a racist. So you see, we get the same thing in agriculture. It comes really simple. If you don't support us, you are for factory farming, where they harm animals. If you don't support us, if you disagree with us, that means you're for poisoning children. You see how this goes. Environmental Working Group came out after the Monsanto verdict uh, two years ago, and immediately, as soon as the first verdict, which was filed in San Francisco, came out, and said, it "Turns out." We found glyphosate in children's cereal. There's poison in children's cereal. So if you are not anti-Monsanto, you must be pro-herbicide in children's cereal. You see, that's how it works. You make it so, so disparate, there's no way you, 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 you will be viewed as the villain if you do not accept their terms. Somehow they get away with this. Not with me, because I tell them to go screw themselves, go piss up a rope, because I don't believe any of this. I say, no, I am not either A or B. I'm in the middle. But that's the angle. Be intentionally and irrationally divisive to where you give people no choice. If you do not agree with us, if you somehow oppose us, who are opposed to you, it means you are evil, you want pigs to suffer, you want children to have cancer, you want, uh, you know... On the racial thing, whatever that thing is, you're a racist, that's the angle. Be irrational and divisive is step number one. They do this every single If you watch anything, pay attention, it'll be this or that. Ties right into how most humans really are wanting to go with a simple A or B. But there's not A or B. There's a lot of gray area in life. And on these causes, they paint the picture so that if you do not support them or if you even somehow speak out against them, you're an awful human being, you're an evil human being, you are a racist, you're, a, you're abusing animals, and you want to uh, poison children. Tactic number two, use the willing media. Ladies and gentlemen, the media is not the news, and the news is not the media. Please understand that, and don't pretend it's only the way it is now. It's been this way forever. We have more of it now, CNN, MSNBC, 24-7 news cycle. Do not ever believe that the news is actually what the media is putting out there. The media are large, multinational corporations in many cases. They have shareholders that want to get a return. The media is a selling forum. The media is a selling forum to sell advertisement. To get advertisements, you have to get eyeballs. You have to have people tuning in, dialing in, clicking. How do you do that? You put out sensational stories that the people will tune into. Fear and conflict. Those are the two basics of humans. You know what? Humans are gossipy. They like to talk about money, sex, that kind of thing, other people's business. But when it comes to their media, you know what they love? Fear and conflict. Let us tell you I wrote a book called Food Fear, speaking of fear. It's also time for me to remind you that this podcast, this episode of The Business of Agriculture, is brought to you by Nick Horob and my friends over there in Fargo at Harvest Profit. You can check out harvestprofit.com. It's a software solution for your agricultural enterprise so you can manage your numbers and make yourself more profitable. You're beyond just scratching down stuff on a seed corn notepad in the glove compartment of your truck, right? So it's time to get the right software to make your business thrive. Nick, and the people at Harvest Profit operate from Fargo, but it doesn't matter where they are because you can use their product no matter where you are. They're in 24 states and six provinces, or maybe I got that wrong. It might be 26 states and four provinces. Step it up, Canada. Step it up, Canada. We need a couple more provinces for my friends at Harvest Profit. Okay, the second one is use a willing media. The media wants to put out stuff that is going to get eyeballs. And if you are a cause group, you have the perfect solution for them because you're selling fear and you're selling outrage and a spectacle. And that is what these groups have learned to do. There's a reason PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, will show up in downtown Indianapolis, let's say, and they'll have a chick with uh, no clothes on in uh, in in a cage. It's a big spectacle, right? Got some girl in uh, in no clothes uh, in a cage. What the hell? But you know what? The media shows up because it creates a stir. And they know that your eyeballs will be tuned in because it's the sideshow. And what happens? Then the people that are already their base, because that's the other part of this, you've got to always understand that they have a base. You're not going to be a member of PETA. Damian Mason's not going to be a member of PETA. But there are people that have given the money that fell for their gimmickry once before, and by golly, it's been two years since I donated to PETA. But they're down there, and they're working so hard. And look at that—there's a naked girl in a cage, and and they're and they're saying that they're going to keep factory farms from coming to Indiana. I've got to donate. That's the angle. That's how this thing works. So, using the willing media, and we in agriculture out here, unfortunately, not being so good with the media because they don't come out here and say, oh, here's a story about these farmers are really doing a great job. They're conserving more than they ever have, using less resources to produce this many calories than we've ever used. We are doing a better job for our soil. We're protecting our streams. Oh, but that's not a story. Story has to be that this Guy over here had an employee that threw a calf around and we caught it on video. That's a story. Fear and outrage, right? Conflict, it gets eyeballs. So the conflict industry has learned very effectively to use a willing media. Now, it doesn't hurt that many of these causes lean left and much of the media leans left. You can get mad at me all you want, say I'm making a political statement, but it's not a lie. Do your research. The media really ends up being a marketing arm for these cause groups. And it doesn't matter whether it's the people that are protesting right now, tearing down statues of uh, Robert E. Lee, or the people that are out here uh, destroying farm property. You know, that happens in our industry. Activists pull in, uh, open the gates, let your animals out, cause you harm, financial harm, destruction, vandalism. And the media will report this. Because the media becomes the marketing arm. The media doesn't do this because they hate us per se. they do this because they know that this is an answer to get eyeballs again, selling outrage, fear, conflict people will tune in. Uh, tactic number three: forgive me as I sip my Coca-Cola. Tactic number three of the conflict industry. this is as old this is as old as can be Hit. Weak targets, hit weak targets and cause friendly locales. Okay, the Environmental Working Group filed a lawsuit against Bayer Monsanto. Where did they do that? They didn't start in Des Moines. They didn't go to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana up the road here to tell you how evil corn and soybean farming is because they ain't going to get anywhere. They started in San Francisco a town that already leans very liberal, a town that also would be very anti-Monsanto, the residents of whom would be probably pretty anti-modern agriculture. So they filed their first three lawsuits in San Francisco, California. Again, not in Omaha, not in Lincoln, not out in Kansas to try and tell people how evil herbicide is. Because those jurors might say, yeah, you know what? I used to have to walk fields with a hoe. By God, bring that herbicide in here. We all know this. So the cause groups, the conflict industry, has understood for quite some time it's better to hit a weak target or a cause-friendly locale. They file lawsuits in places like San Francisco in and in North Carolina when the Environmental Working Group working with trial lawyers to try and uh, basically destroy hog farming in North Carolina, the number two hog state in the union, the lawsuits went to Raleigh. They did not go to the small towns. They went to the big towns, where there's a chance to get a jury that's going to lean more anti-agricultural. They hit soft targets. They hit weak targets. They go to cause the causes go to the towns and the locales that are going to be more friendly to them. When the Humane side of the United States uh, wanted to start legislation against using farrowing crates, they went to Arizona. I know a little bit about this because I have an Arizona house, and you know what? Arizona does not have hog farms. So you can pass legislation that nobody cares about in Arizona because there's like 40 pigs in the whole damn state, but they didn't go to Iowa or Minnesota, or where we actually produce hogs because they knew they'd get such a fervor. And then the idea is they start in this locale and then parade their success around to the rest of the country and say, look at what happened in Arizona. If the good people of Arizona outlawed pig farrowing crates or gestation crates, you know what you should do? You should do the same thing. So they start in the friendly locale that's friendly to their cause or that there's no opposition to weak targets. And then they extrapolate. That is tactic number three of the conflict industry. So I've seen this, for instance, you're seeing it also, great example. Some socialist radicals and misguided young people have overtaken now Several square blocks in Seattle. As I record this, there are several square blocks that is called CHOP. It was called CHAZ first. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is now the Capitol Hill Occupied Property or some damn thing. Oppressed people. I don't know. It stands for CHOP. Uh, It says CHOP. There's a reason that is not happening in Huntington, Indiana, my factory in Farmtown. The law enforcement in Seattle has not been dispatched. They were told not to go in there. The mayor leans very much with these radical socialist agenda. So the governor of Washington does as well. There's a reason that this is happening in places like Washington State. There's a reason that... that Statues are being toppled in Portland, Oregon, but not necessarily in, uh, shall we say, Moro, Oregon, where I have done a speaking engagement for wheat people because the activists know that they're going to be run out on a rail if they go to the wrong place. Now you understand. Tactics number one, two, and three of the conflict industry and what we see in agriculture. And you're saying, Damian, what should we do about this? Well, first off, we in agriculture need to expose these organizations for what they are. We do a terrible job of fighting. We also do a terrible job of exposing. We always say things like, we've got to educate the consumer. All right, you want to educate the consumer? Educate the consumer right now that the Humane Society and PETA and Environmental Working Group are really just fundraising organizations. That's all they are. They're non-profit. They are nonprofit. they do not pay any taxes on all the money they take in. All they are is fundraising organizations that are there they exist to take fundraising monies, not pay taxes, and then push an agenda which really seeks to have political control and make more money. That's what they are. We in ag do a terrible job of explaining that. We should, we should go to that, that well every single day. Every single day. The organizations that we have in this in this uh, industry should do that. Farm Bureau should do that. The Corn Growers Association do that. The Soybean Growers The Pork Federation. Every organization in agriculture should start by saying, let's just make sure that you all understand the humane side of the United States, Environmental Working Group, PETA, ARM, name, hell, there's a bunch of them. They are fundraising organizations that do not pay taxes on all the money they take in and all they really do is hire more people to raise more money and to try and gain political clout. That's step number one. Step number two, understanding their tactics. That's why I recorded this podcast, so you would understand their tactics. I've been studying this for quite some time. It's a very, very simple playbook, right? You start by being intentionally and irrationally divisive. If you don't agree with me, you're a racist. If you don't agree with me uh, that that I want to shut down chicken farms, it means that you are for the death uh, and, and uh, handicapping and harming and physically harming uh, animals. If you don't agree with me, it means you want to poison children. You start with this bold, ridiculous, irrational, divisive position, and then you make it so that others are scared to, join, uh, to not join you or to even voice any concern against you. That's what the problem is. Nobody in our industry, they think we shouldn't. Well, maybe we should just leave that alone. I don't know. No, we shouldn't. We should punch them in the face. We should be more in their face. There's another thing about this also. These organizations have gotten so good at being intentionally divisive and then so good at gaining political clout that now they do a thing where they threaten to boycott you. They just they don't they don't just try to harm your business legislatively and by carrying signs. They try then to organize a boycott of our products. Protesters for these animal rights wackos will go into a grocery store and stand in front of the milk counter, or in front of the, the milk coolers. And in a some suburban housewife just trying to go in and pick up milk for her family, they shout her down. Well, she ain't going to buy milk there. That's intentionally divisive. It's actually disruptive and illegal. But we allow it to happen. Tactic number one. Irrational divisiveness. Tactic number two, use a willing media. The media loves conflict and fear. The media will push outrage because that's what they are selling. You see, this is a business of outrage, and the media does a very job being their willful bidder, free advertisement, essentially for the cause. And then C, as I said, that's the big one. They don't go, they don't go to your backyard necessarily. Now they'll go out and protest, they'll go out and protest your chicken barn but they're not going to push for legislation against poultry in uh, a place that's a huge poultry producer. Although they did do that to California because, again, you've got a target-friendly environment, a cause-friendly environment. This is a business. That's the thing that we must understand. And whether it's Black Lives Matter or Environmental Working Group, their business model is very simple. You create the outrage, you hire staff, and the staff then uses willfully – willfully volunteering people to come out there. When you think about it, there'll be thousands of people at some of these outrageous protests and they're not being paid. Now, some of them are, but you use them as Lyndon called them, the useful idiots. Think about this. You're out there, you're Humane Society of the United States, you're 250 employees, you're making money. You just keep putting this thing out there that gets your base stirred up and you keep them stirred up and you tell them they're accomplishing something great. You tell them they've done something good and then... They'll keep coming back because it's their cause. So you see, cause groups have the members that are cause-oriented. But the organizers want two things. Don't ever forget it. They want fundraising, which means money, and they want power. That's it. Don't ever think the cause is as pure as the cause. The cause needs the cause because that's their business. Just like your business is farming or selling seed or whatever it is you do within the business of agriculture, their business, the way they wake up every morning and think about it is they have to go out and make money and seize power, and that is what the conflict industry is. It's an industry. I'm Damian Mason. Thank you for tuning in. I would like you to pick up my book if you have not done so. You can buy it as an audio book, as an e-book, or as a hardcover, and I have two chapters devoted to this very topic in there. thought it was a very timely time to discuss this because of what's going on. Statues being toppled. Vast demands being made. We need more laws. We need more regulation. We need more. Doesn't it sound a lot like what's going on? Look at California agriculture. It's the same thing. Pit the two sides against one another. If you're not with me, that means that you want animals to go extinct because you're going to give money to farmers instead of, instead of letting that water go down the river like it used to for the, the salmon or whatever the fish is, whatever the cause is. If you're not with me, if you're not with me, it means that you want children to die. It's always the same outrageous claim. We should, in the business of agriculture, call these people out for their bullshit I'm Damian Mason. As I said, thank you for tuning into the Business of Agriculture. This episode, like so many others, brought to you by my good friends Harvest Profit. Check out HarvestProfit.com. You can get a 14-day free trial using their software to see if it's going to work for you. And then also when you're at HarvestProfit.com, check out the blog articles written by Nick. He's got always an interesting take on stuff that, you know, it's a short, nice, easy read, and it'll be uh, something you can use for your business. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. And I'll be back next week. Got to be talking about robots. That's right. That's right. I got a robot, agricultural robot guy coming up. So stay tuned. Until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.